Well, welcome to episode 117 of Cowboy Shit, the podcast with Ted Stoven, myself, and Mr. Wacy Anderson. On Thank the patio. On the patio. Patio sun, pod. Sun's out. and uh, I'm, Spring has sprung. Oh my God. Finally. It took a while. Spring has sprung. And here we are on the patio oh. on a Monday, drinking some beers. Oh. Work from home life has been pretty clutch. I'm living my best life today, Wacy. Yeah. Yeah, has been pretty you. clutch. I've had a good. I mean, I was fairly hungover when I woke up this morning, <laughs> so it's nice to be able to, to ease into the day and not have to go to the office anymore on a Monday. So I know kinda, that. I know that we were supposed to talk about hockey the second. I'm gonna start it off, man. We like so. We the were, last two days. We so the, witnessed one of the Monday. greatest sports moments. Oh my god! In Calgary sports history. Yeah, and so and in the, my and, life. And the night before, we were at the. Our, I was watching the Oilers game, and the Oilers beat the Kings in Game Seven. And you watched one of the greatest playoff performances by an individual ever, either as well. McDavid was a beast in that game. Yeah. So so the Oilers win. The Edmonton Oilers win Game Seven at home against the Los Angeles Kings. They make their way to round two of the playoffs. And put the gauntlet down for the Flames. And they're like, hey, hey, Calgary. Your turn. What's up? You guys want to play in round two? Because we're here. Come meet us there. <laughs> and and then Calgary's like, yeah, what's up? We'll play, we'll we'll play, play round game. two. We don't we're going to make everybody in the building yeah. nervous as shit. Yeah. But we're, we're coming. Gonna, <laughs> we're going to give you a, we're gonna give you a <laughs> tension headache from being so I put near out a heart nervous. attack. Yeah. I, that was one of the first games... Where I was, I remember leaning over so far forward in my seat to like watch the action. It's like when you're playing Call of Duty. I was like, like, the game gets intense and you like sit forward in your chair because you know you got to like team wipe some boys. And I was, I was like hunched over and I was just so like into it that my, I got a headache and my head was sore and I had to like, I had to keep leaning back and like keep remembering like, okay, okay, just calm down. (laughs) It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But that that was, there was so much like pent up like energy and anxiety in that building. Like, there was nervousness because like there's a lot of implications on that for the Flames. Like they've, well, had, you win like, or you go home. You win or you go home. But even like just as a franchise, because they've had such bad luck in the first, they haven't got out of the first round in a long time. There's been a lot of pressure on Not like Not as Johnny. long as Toronto. Sorry to Mar Ontario friends. Yeah. But, but even like, like for the guys like Goudreau and Kachuk and all those guys, like they have a lot of pressure to perform. So there was a lot of lot of nervous energy in the building, myself yeah. included. Yeah, me too. That And, and Wacy, just for your information, well, you saw me yesterday. What was my What did my outfit look like? I didn't see you. Yeah, you, you said you saw me on the I saw you course. walk by. Okay, so what was I wearing? I don't know. You saw me. You don't remember? Yeah, I don't remember what I saw. Oh, okay. Yeah, Anyways, it, was so a, it was a click. I was glance. wearing I was wearing red pants. I was wearing a Flames jersey, Monaghan jersey that I won earlier in the year. You wore a jersey, and I was You're wearing a part-time fan, and I was wearing a Flames hat because last night I was one hundred and ten thousand percent in on the Flames winning last night. I appreciate that. I was I, and I wore my red pants, and I wore a jersey, and I wore a Flames cap, and I was all the way in on the Flames. So. So just want to say I appreciate I that. that for you. You'd never catch me dead in another jersey. Yeah, I know. And like now I am so, really torn on how, who to cheer for in round two. But in saying that, I'm a huge fan of both Alberta teams. You can't say that. I, I'm happy. Don't John, don't John and Winwick your way out of this, man. I'm happy no, that both no. Alberta teams nope. are in round two and we're going to have an Alberta team in the okay, conference that's cool. Final. I respect that. But you got to pick a team. You can you can dance around really the answer. I'm really tough. I don't know. I like honestly, I I the would love shaker. to see I would like to see Edmonton win because I'm an Edmonton fan. But Are you? I have Calgary tickets now, so I would be fucking pumped to see the conference final in Calgary too and be able to go to a couple of those games and maybe further on because if Edmonton goes further on, I don't know if I'm going to get to another game or if I'm going to get to go to the yeah. you know, if they make it to the cup final, I'm probably not going to get to go. But with Calgary, we could actually go to it's the It's cool cup to have final a guaranteed team in, in the Western final. That's really right. cool. And Alberta, an Alberta team, team. yeah, in really the Western cool. final. But it's and, not going to be the I others. And I think 
I think either team, <laughs> but but honestly, like I know, like we we golf today with Brandon, Tommy, and Jeff Robson, and we dove and deep. We deep dive into the series. Yeah, we we talked a lot about it, and I kicked their ass at golf today just for one one thing. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think anybody asked. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I just got to throw that one in there. That, that might may or may not ever happen again, so I just had to throw that one in there. But anyways, um, what happened? Don't check. Oh yeah, because of video. Ta- okay. Table shaking. All right, sorry. I'll stop. Um, anyways. Either way, I think either team still does have a chance against Colorado. Edmonton kicked their ass a couple times in uh, later on in the year. They didn't have McKinnon. He's pretty good. He's not bad um, at the sport. He's not bad <laughs> at the sport. But, um, okay. but I think like Brandon thinks that the Western Conference is a five-game series for Colorado either way. I don't think. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, I think that either team would have a chance. And that... You know the same kind of way that uh, the first round went with with Calgary and Edmonton going to seven games. We both thought we both predicted six those games, to be five, you or know, five or six games, and they went to seven. So I still think that I think either one has a chance, and we could see you know an Alberta team in the Cup final, which is crazy to say right now, but like it could still happen. And and whoever wins the series has whoever wins the series is halfway to the Stanley Cup. That's great analysis, Ted. Right. Eight out of sixteen wins. When is the last time? <laughs> when's the last time that a Canadian team was halfway to the cup? Montreal made the final last year. Well, sorry, an Alberta team. <laughs> sorry, I meant to say, I meant to say Alberta team. Two thousand four. So, but or no, two thousand six. Uh, six with the Oilers, yeah. right? And oh four with the Flames. Yeah. So, so it's been uh, <laughs> it's been long enough that I think that an Alberta team could get there. Oh, yeah, I think there's a good chance of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's gonna be the Flames. Just as me being a Flames fan, very I biased. Think, I think that I think Calgary's built for more of a deeper playoff run. Yeah, I'm with and you. I think I'm with you. And you have you match up Calgary against Colorado, and if they play the similar type of game they played against Dallas, like really tight defensively. Yeah, and then give Dallas a run for their money. And I also think St. Louis is going to kick the shit out of the out of the Avs in the second round. Really, they're a big you think top, so. Like they're just, it's going to be like a six or seven game series, really rough because St. Louis has been there, done that. They got pretty much their same core from won the Cup, big strong guys. Bennington's huh. back to his winning ways. Huh. It's not going to be easy for Colorado in the second round. Yeah. Okay. So, so give me your Flames versus Oilers prediction, and then I have I have a wager for you. At okay. The end. So. So for my for my um, season ticket bias, I want to say Calgary because I want to see a round three and four, round three and possibly four with Calgary because it it's okay. really cool. Okay, so I have a quick question for you in that regard. Yeah, go You're ahead. going to game one or and or game two. Both. Will you be sure. wearing a Flames I mean, jersey or an Oilers jersey? You know what? I don't know what to do. I'm really torn right now. I'm I hate not this sure. So much. I don't know what to do. I do. I do jersey not know what to crawl do. Crawl out of my skin. But because I because I, I can't wear an Oilers jersey because I'll get murderized. I'll, I'll I'd probably choke you out myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I can't do that. But could I wear a Chris Russell jersey and kind of be like? You know what? I got a Flames jersey on, so I'm not gonna get beat up. But it's Chris Russell, and he plays for the Oilers. Like, is that like? That's fair. Is that like a little bit of like sprinkle, like a little bit of both? Or should I, I mean, wear my? Or should I wear my Chris Russell Flames jersey over top my Chris Russell Oilers jersey, and then whoever wins, I just pull one off. That'd be funny other. shit, actually. Would that be funny? I also hate it, but it's funny. <laughs> but like, would I get less beat up if I did that? Nah, some more beat up. Yeah, either way. But they don't. But depending on who wins, I might not have to take the Flames jersey off. So what's your what's your what's your prediction, man? So like I said, I was going down the road that like, as a Flames season ticket holder, I want to see the Flames win because I want to keep going to games and go. You further. have to choose one. Gun to your head. You can't you can't dance around this like you're a Jason Kenny. <laughs> or who do we say? 
Somebody else we were talking about. John Winwick, yeah. John Winwick, yeah. Don't always the John Winwick <laughs> can't answer, be, man. Can't be Switzerland yeah, here. Yeah, pick it. Well, I know you're going to pick the Flames, so I think I have to go the other way because it wouldn't be fun if we both picked the same team. So I think, you know... But the problem is we're going to bet something on this, and I don't want to have to do something stupid if it's I... It's not going to be something stupid if it's, I don't win. It's a good wager. It's, it's, it's reasonable? a reasonable wager, yeah. Okay. Okay, well, just for fun. Just for fun, I want to say Edmonton and 7 just to see it go the distance and really have Alberta entertained for two weeks. I got Calgary in six. Okay. Due to the fact you get a Connor McDavid steal a game, and yeah. a Mike Smith's going to pull steal a horse out of his ass. Yeah. But there's going to be the, the three of the Calgary's four wins are going to be like 65 shots. Mike Smith's going to die. They're going to shoot a lot of Almost pucks. 50 years old. There's going to be a lot of rubber directed toward <laughs> yeah. Mike Smith. Someone, we're talking to one of, the, one of my group chats. The combined age of Duncan Keith and Mike Smith <laughs> is 79 years old. Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's what Trevor shot today on the golf course. <laughs> 79. So, okay, so my wager to you yep. is should the Flames win, yep. we go golfing at Bam Springs, you pay for it. Should the Oilers if win, the we win. go golfing at Van Springs, I'll pay for it. Okay. Good bet. Shake on it. All right. That's a good, good deal. Bet. I've always wanted it's to golf the Springs, so if you're paying for it, it'd be even better. You haven't been there yet, eh? It's a really nice course. It. never golfed it. Okay. I like it. That's All a right, so, bet. You have to do anything. So silly. quickly, before we go to the top ha- or the bottom half of the show, and the interview this week, uh, talking about the PBR World Finals. PBR World, teams. PBR teams. Uh, World Finals are on. Dalen Swearingen's in the lead. Second weekend's coming up. The Ultimate Bullfighters World Final, or not World Finals, but uh, Fort Worth like classic. Fort Worth Freestyle is yeah, on. Yeah. $140,000. dollars. Uh, they're going to pay out fifty grand to the winner this uh, next weekend on the on the twenty first of May. Uh, PBR World Champion for the first half of the season. Essentially, the World Champ is going to be uh, on the the morning of the twenty second as well. So stay tuned for that. But uh, uh, before we go into that, actually no, let's wrap this up. We'll go to the interview. Talk for that after that, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with y'all after the uh, after the break. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Do some more Stanley Cup playoffs previews in the second half, and get with our interview here after this. Once again, thanks for listening. This is episode 117 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey. My name is Ted Stoven. He's Wacey Anderson. And now we have our guests here this morning. We're doing a, a, uh, a morning chat here as these both these guys have to make their way down to Fort Worth, Texas for the uh, inaugural edition of the PBR World Finals in Texas inside and Fort I Worth. And I don't have a real job anymore, so I can pod during yeah. the day. So Wacey can do shows <laughs> at any time of the day. Put it, he quit his job. And uh, here we are. So we've got uh, the creator, inventor, and uh, and manager of ProBowlStats.com. He's he was a guest of uh, I think it was episode number fifty eight, coming to us from Louisiana this morning. His home, Mr. Slade Long. Thanks for joining us. Hey. And our second guest to talk uh, PBR teams and his recent win in Billings in his home state, first time on the UTB, first win on the UTB. He's been in Canada a lot, so we know him well. Our friend Dakota, very Canadian at this point. Yeah, our friend Dakota <laughs> I am Lewis. And actually, yeah, he actually is. So, yeah. but but if you uh, <laughs> when you have the choice to ride for the for the uh, the Wolves or Team Canada, you're picking the Wolves. I, but I get it. So, okay. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the coach called me first for the Wolves, so Tam didn't call me quick enough. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Well, uh, let's get let's get right to it today, here, guys. Uh, we're uh, today's. Um, I don't know. Mar- I guess it's May 10th, so it's a little before the show comes out, but we want to get this in before uh, 
before you guys head to Texas. So the first weekend, by the time we get through this first weekend of the finals will already be, uh, be over, but, uh, but let's talk about what's been happening the last few weeks here, Dakota and, and Billings to, to win in Billings. That's, you know, there's been, who else has won in Billings? I think Jess won in Billings as a Montana guy and maybe, maybe triplet, but I can't remember now, but, but it's nope. not triplet. So it's just you triplet and Jess. Yeah. You got second. So yeah. you're one of the only Montana guys to ever win uh, on the elite tour in your home state. Oh man. It was to me. I mean, that's, that was an event that, you know, I, it really wanted me to progress as a bull rider and to get to that level and to be competitive, you know, uh, to be on that elite tour. It's, it's definitely a different, uh, different mindset because you know, that's, they got the fireworks and the lights and the big crowd and all that stuff. And, you know, people can say what they want with, it's just another bull riding, but once you're on tour, it's definitely, uh, it's a different atmosphere. And, uh, and to get the win there, I mean, it was huge. I had family and friends from all over the state of Montana that was there to join me in the arena. So it was, it was truly, honestly, a dream come true. That's, that's not an easy event to win with the amount of guys that go. Then they start out with like 60, 60 riders at the beginning. Yeah, no, I think there was a 60 or 65 guys that were there. Yep. So, I mean, you're competing against the best of the best there. And, and I mean, and you've dabbled kind of on the, on the UTB tour um, over the years and, and you finally find some success there too, which that, that's got to feel really good. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's been a journey for sure. And uh, just a consistent progress on a daily for me, uh, you know, in and outside of the arena and uh, to finally, you know, get that, that breakthrough of kind of breaking the ice on the, the UTB and getting a win. I mean, it's, it's definitely boosted my confidence and uh, I'm pretty dang excited to be in Fort Worth. It's kind of become a token move of you to make a, a late surge for these finals. I know last year, the PBR Canada Cup Series, you, uh, you kind of came to the last handful of events and, and lit the world on fire and made your way to Edmonton as well, which kind of set you up to, to push again for that, another UTB final. So it's, you kind of get hot when it matters most. Yeah, no, I, I kind of been putting myself in that situation where I've had to really uh, do good at the end of the end of the season to be in them finals. But uh, yeah, no, you know, I feel like uh, good Lord has a plan for us all. And uh, if I continue just to keep my faith and try my best at each each day you know he's going to take care of us whether it's uh tomorrow or you know down the road whenever his timing's right that's when it all goes well it's a pretty major uh major victory too and you know forty seven thousand dollars for for one event it's your biggest biggest win ever in pbr competition but uh, overall i'm assuming it's probably the biggest one but and this is also your most successful season yet in the pbr uh and it's only, it's only May. You still have half the year. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming probably the, the team's events too, but what was it like to, for that, for that win that way, as far as the, the, the payout, like that's, that's a huge, huge victory. It's a game changer for that side of things. Oh yeah, no, it was huge. Uh, it's definitely my biggest payout in the, in the bull riding side, you know, uh, I also team up quite a bit and, um, uh, with the world series paying out the way it has, I've been lucky over there a few times. So, uh, each win's definitely special. I mean, this is what we go after as uh, as young cowboys and stuff, and uh, all the work. Finally, I guess just to see it pay off in a way. It's just uh, it's just been a huge blessing, and uh, I mean, I I definitely look for a a bigger week to come. That's for sure. 
Well, you mentioned uh, team roping and, and during the, during uh, the, the last two years here, Jared Parsonage actually fessed up and told us that he actually made more money team roping than bull riding. And you just kind of, you've dropped a little hint there that you might've had a bigger, uh, a bigger win in the team roping side of things in the world series that I probably didn't know about. What's the story there? Uh, you know, I, uh, I had a couple, I hadn't really won anything, any first places in the world series, but I placed pretty deep in there. And, uh, I've had some guys that rode my horses at a couple of them deals. And, you know, when they ride your horse, that's 25%. And that helps a lot too. So, uh, <laughs> for myself, you know, uh, on a daily basis, we're out here on the ranch. Uh, I got horses that we raise, train, break, use rope, sell, you know, so, um, the Western industry for me is huge. You know, it's a lot more than just me being a bull rider and, uh, it's definitely more about just me being a cowboy. So how many buckles on the wall behind you are bull riding buckles and how many are team roping buckles? <laughs> oh, What's the breakdown? Man. Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I do know there is five world champion INFR buckles in this house for me and my dad. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got a few buckles from just about every event up there, I think. There's a couple on the other side of the wall here. And uh, I know the ones we're mostly proud about uh, – are the all around because uh, that's the one that says cowboy on it. I like that. Slate, Slate, we, uh, sorry, go ahead, Waze. I was going to ask about both the INFR and how that helped out with your development as a career. Like it's like, I've competed a few of them over the years and there's some really big ones up here in Canada and they're really cool. Like how they can kind of just make adds another accessibility route for like having some high level competition with rodeo at a young age too. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a, a, an association that I grew up in. I mean, my dad and my mom, they had both competed and my grandpas and their grandpas, you know, so it's been a, a family tradition to kind of get my feet wet in the INFR. You know, it's a, it's a family environment. We get to enter the big rodeos as juniors and to you be able to compete, you know, with the loud uh, noise and the big crowds at a young age, I feel like that kind of gets your comfort level and confidence to where when you do get into the you know, the professional, the big leagues, these big venues that you're, you're already confident and ready to go. And, uh, I, I definitely have to give a huge gratitude to the INFR for, uh, for everything that they have done for me being able to uh, get to where I am today. We, uh, Slade, you've been sitting here patiently and we were talking beforehand, not to change the subject too much, but you were mentioning that Dakota had really caught your eye recently. And I like the, uh, I liked where that was going, but we didn't really get to it. I wanted to save it for the show. Yeah, yeah. Normally, when I when I'm looking at uh, stats, I, I pick up a lot, like a lot of stats, like everybody, every single person that gets on a bull. So for anybody to stand out to me, it's uh, it's kind of unusual. I, I so I've seen Dakota do pretty well this year, actually. I've several times, even the Billings event, where look, you know, better than I expected. So. based on and based on the based on the i i, I mean I, I have to confess right now that i haven't uh subscribed to probullstats.com yet so i need to <laughs> so i might sad. need to i might need to bribe the guy here i i <laughs> forgot how much i rely on it when we do shows with bull riders so we'll have to uh i didn't want to subscribe right now and be too distracted from the show but but uh but like dakota lewis 800 record 800 records and you know you look at the career uh riding percentage and different different things high scores like there's so much, there's so many things you have on here, Slade, and to be able to, you got 32 videos as well. Probably a lot of those from Canada you know, a few years ago, but, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, probably. <laughs> but, uh, 
But like, you know, you can statistically see who uh, who is the most successful over time and and the different things. And you've seen D- Dakota here and and really come on as of late. And and to, so you can see that Slade. But then I want to go back to Dakota here too after this with another question. But but talk about that Slade and how often you kind of see this sort of thing where a guy shows up and you know to be able to win Stands out. Yeah, to be able to win in your in your home state too. That's kind of a it's it's an unlikely thing in the beginning, but then to go and, you know, to go, to actually go get that win. That's a, that's a big deal. Against 65 of the best bull riders in the world. Yeah. And you know, to me that that's not a stats thing so much as it is uh, just uh, a thing that you're really proud of as a rider from a rider's perspective, you want to win in front of your home crowd more than anything. I've, I've been in that situation. So yeah, that's, re- that's really cool to me, but you know, a lot of times I see young guys when they first, I, I don't even notice riders come on the scene until they've been in there a pretty good while or they reach a certain level. So it, there's just so many of them that there's about 400 guys who have been to at least, uh, been on at least 20 bulls at pro rodeos and PBRs in the past 18 months. 400 so, bull riders. But but yeah. I bet you there's probably 4,000 bulls. That, well, there's a lot more of them that haven't been to any pro rodeos or PBR. So, so it's, it is, it is hard for any of them to stand out to me, but when, when a guy keeps coming up, you know, more, I just pay attention to the guys who stay on the most. That's, That's fair. really what catches my eye. But for like going back for, to Dakota, like, I think I met you back in probably 2011, 12, 13, somewhere in there when you're coming up this way a lot. And the, that was Correct me if I, I I don't have it in front of me, but correct me if I'm wrong. That was uh, around the timing of when you won, won some of your first INFR titles as well, and then coming up to the PBR Canada events and you know going for a long time and and you're you know you're 29 at this point and get the win. So what what's clicked? What's changed? What have you done differently to you know? We talked to Stetson the other day actually a while ago. Did a did a uh, visit with him and uh, and he won back in Chicago. So so talk about you know, what really clicked to go to ride at the high level for that long and then to actually get the win at win there. What, what's, di- what's different, man, you know, uh, so it's kind of been, uh, like I said, you know, work in progress, uh, growing up, my dad, he was a bull rider and, uh, you know, I looked up to him and bull riding was definitely the most exciting event of the rodeo, you know, and as a young kid, I remember getting on the bucking shoots a few times when I probably wasn't even old enough to be back there. And, uh, and it installed to me, like, you know, it don't matter what happens each and each ride, but if you progress and go to the next one and work on whatever you got to work on. And, you know, for me, uh, I don't know, there was kind of a time, like when I grew up, I always pictured myself, honestly, to be a world champion calf roper or team roper, just because of the love that I took towards roping at a young age. And uh, I never really accepted or called myself a bull rider. And then when I, I, uh, I made the world finals there in 2020. I remember one of the questions that they had uh, interviewed us about was, do you think that you were born to be a bull rider? And so my whole life, I kind of was pushing it off, you know, like, I don't know, kind of, you know, but I'm working on it kind of deal. Like I know I, my body style's not your ideal, but this and that, you know, and I was just trying to pick out any kind of, I don't know, I guess excuse. And then my answer was, you know, if God put it in my heart and in my mind, yeah, I guess I was born to be a bull rider. So, I mean, it's been an everyday progress and, uh, and you know, the sky's the limit. And 
I just feel like, uh, you know, if you don't put any limit on yourself, whether it's being a bull rider or whether it's being a good father to my son, that you can go anywhere you want to, as long as you just, uh, you just have a good mind and put in the work. So, I mean, for me here as of recently, you know, things, uh, in the, in the bull riding world, well in the PBR, it's, it's, uh, you know, progress for me. And, uh, and I just believe that, uh, just, you know, taking, taking that right road and, uh, just keeping my, uh, my chin down and keep it on that grind, you know, and like I said, the, the sky's the limit. So we're just going to keep at them and see where the call cards fall, where they may. Re- remind me too. Uh, there was a, there was kind of that unfinished business style event in, uh, in belt. Jeff Marn put it on one time. Was your dad in that too? Did he get on another one there or am I rem- remembering wrong? No, he, uh, he didn't end up getting on there. He went to an actual, he was entered in an INFR tour rodeo up in Canada that same weekend. So he oh. unfortunately didn't get to, but, uh, he, uh, my dad, he's still, uh, team ropes and bulldogs. Uh, but he, uh, his, his love for the bull riding game is definitely there on his mindset. And anytime I need any kind of motivation or, you know, just any kind of, uh, tools that might help me, he's definitely one to sit me down and just kind of put the basics back in front of me and make it more simpler. Cause there's times where I feel like, Oh Yeah. I need to change my rope and I need to change my spurs and this helmet and blah, 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 you know, and, and then his, his, just his mindset is just so simple, but it just kind of goes back to the old fashioned cowboy way of, you don't need anything specific to do anything. All you need is right here and then put it in your mind and you can do it. So is you your, have, uh, sorry, go ahead. Is Slate. your dad a taller guy to Dakota? Yeah, no, actually, uh, if me and my dad stood uh, next to each other, you probably couldn't tell us different from if you're standing behind us. Yeah, because I'm I'm taller, too, so I always pay attention to the taller guys. I always want to see a taller guy do good, so the next time I see Cody Custer, I can rub it in his face, but it (laughs) seldom ever happens, you know? (laughs) It's funny that you say that because uh, I actually seen Cody Custer there – the weekend prior to Billings and I had bucked off my short round bull there at 7.97 and he was the judge and I was just visiting with him, you know, maybe taking some small tips or whatever from that typical ride. And, um, and, uh, I said, dang, well, he said, you're doing good. You just got to stay on longer. I said, all right, well, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good advice. So he called me there after Billings. He said, Shoot, cowboy! Looks like you uh, you took my advice and stayed on longer this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Well, and you were, uh... so, and you know, that's one of the things that I that I used to think about a lot when I was uh, in my riding days. Is uh, a lot of the advice that you're able to get about bull riding is really comes from smaller guys, and and there's certain things that apply to taller guys that you don't you just don't hear them a lot, but they're there, you know. Right. Right. We, uh, I think we gotta, we gotta talk about Hayes a little bit here. He's sounds like he's having a good time. You guys just got in there. Uh, you said you were uh, sorting or moving some cows this morning before you come to do the show with us. Yeah, no, Hayes, he's he's four years old and uh, he loves when he gets to go to the bull ridings. That's kind of how I do a lot of my uh, our uh, discipline is based on if he gets to go to the events coming up. So. <laughs> he he likes to play bull riding all the time he puts his bull riding gear on probably 
10 to 15 times a day. He, he does the war hoop better than I do. <laughs> and uh, he's definitely, uh, he makes sure dad's on his toes during them workouts as well. He likes to, yesterday, he had to do, make it a little bit tougher on me. And he came running with me and we run to the road and back. And we uh, we live right here on the base of the, the Glacier Park, you know, and uh, um, there's bears and we've had wolves and stuff. And yeah. it's been, it's been pretty Western out here. So we yeah. I had to run with the rifle yesterday. And, and uh Hayes, he brought his Nerf gun because that's the only gun he gets to shoot just yet. We took off up there, and it's a mile and a half to the road, and then a mile and a half back. Well, about a quarter of the mile, Hayes got a little tired, so Hayes had to jump on Dad's back, and Dad had to carry an extra forty pounds the whole two and a half rest of the rest of the trip. But uh, he's definitely been a a huge blessing, and for me, uh, he's he's definitely helped me. Uh, I guess want to take the the right road and be a better be a better person all all in all. Well, it must be, must be must be fun to share share like the beginning we'll go to these events with your son and he kind of he's an age two where you can kind of appreciate it. Like I remember seeing you guys show up at the hotel at the PBR Canada finals. Say he was he was like strapped on your rigging bag like he was a bull <laughs> and it was just this looks like some be able to share some cool moments with your son. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I know the it's been it's been awesome. I feel yeah. like uh, when he comes to the events with me, it's kind of it takes away from the pressure and any kind of anxiety or any kind of extra little bit, because for the most part, you know, I got to get there and uh, you know, the PBR, they've kind of been making a little bit tough on me, certain individuals on trying to get him a pass into the locker room because there are certain rules, but uh, no, they've been all right. They've been, we've been keeping it fun, but uh, he likes to mess around with everybody. And uh, I feel like all the, uh, all the guys, they, you know, we're kind of a brotherhood in that locker room and they've kind of, they've all took in kind of the uncle role on him and everybody's more than willing to keep an eye on him when I'm up or anything like that. So it's been, it's been awesome. Is it an insurance rule or why would they give you trouble on that? Cause like, where else is he going to hang out at? If you're, if your partner's not there to look <laughs> after him sometimes you're like, what are they thinking? Like, just, so actually, yeah, just leave him in so the truck. Yeah. If crazy I, like, story, come. crazy story. So I, uh, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I drove, drove 18 hours from my house with him, and um, I drove there specifically because I had Hayes, and, you know, we were going to make a trip out of it. He had spring break, so we're like, all right, you know, we'll do vacation. So we drove down there, hit up all the sites on the way down, you know, was enjoying the whole process. Well, I had, uh, I had done some PR that week, and... Uh, it's Ty Murray's event. So Ty Murray was there, you know, and he's definitely been one of my rodeo idols growing up. And it was pretty cool to, to see my son be able to meet a legend like that and just interact on a normal basis and stuff, you know? And, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny that they put out a story. They put out a story that uh, about me and Hayes, uh, you know, me still pushing after my dreams, being a, a younger father and, having him right there with me so it was kind of it was pretty crazy that they were so proud of it well we came rolling into the locker room there and uh the pr lady mandy she's been she's been so awesome about it she's they get them uh she sets up her ipad and lets Hayes play and stuff so i can get ready and um well i had sat and Hayes down at my chair 
And I had called Mandy and she said, I'm sorry, Dakota, we got stuck in uh, traffic for a minute. So I'll be there in five minutes. Well, I think the uh, security must have not been having a very good day because uh, I said, all right, well, I went and hung yeah. the rope up. The security had seen Hayes sitting there at my chair, which he had seen prior, you know, four or five events before this. And uh, he told me a few different things and I uh, disagreed and wasn't too uh, compliant on what he had to say. And uh, so they kicked me out of the event. Said they were going to go get the cops, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Well, I had talked to about 15 riders who were standing right there who had seen us all. And they said, okay, you if they do kick you out of the event for the for you, standing up for your son, then we're leaving too. So I kind of laughed. And, well, about 10 minutes later, they, oh, no, we're sorry, this and that. So I kind of <laughs> laughed about it then. And uh, they've been more than willing and helping to uh, – go with whatever Hayes needs now. So hmm. it was just kind of a small little, little hiccup in our, uh, our, our travel, but uh, it's been fun. You know, it's uh it's definitely something that I never really seen myself doing before. I, uh, I didn't think I would ever be a parent and still want to ride bulls just because of how dangerous it is, you know, and how reckless we can be. But I know that each moment, for both of us is definitely uh precious so uh that's why i just try taking advantage of each moment and just because you never know when it's gonna end kind of gotta go that way don't we that's kind of how you gotta be when you're riding isn't it for sure i mean uh you know them bulls they don't care who you are what you do and they're out there to buck and you know accidents happen and i just feel like uh good lord has a plan for us and that's why we're here Waste looks like he had something there. Um, yeah, I have, I have kind of like a question that applies to both like Slate and Dakota here. So in regard to the season format, so starting with Slate, have you noticed any trends with how like it's kind of been like a compact season yeah. to get from the start to where the, the world finals were at now? Have you noticed any trends with guys kind of riding injured more or riding better, or riding worse? Or what is there anything on that end you've seen? Man, I honestly oh, I have seen it. It's been it's been huge on them, the guys riding better definitely more of a sense of urgency right so they're packing more events and guys getting on more bulls into a short period of time so it's uh it's been pretty non-stop i mean usually during the season especially during the first part of the season you see a lot of uh filler events or or you know maybe guys not doing as well as they could and then it becomes more urgent down the stretch well it's been that way the whole time this year so well, do you think that makes for better better events too, I guess, overall for folks to watch? Or do you think that's kind of the like long, like long term wise, you see that it being like you see guys again because again, you see guys getting hurt more too, riding in more events in a short amount of time. So you think that there's kind of a long term aspect that can be sustainable for this? Well, from from my perspective, the more bulls you get on, the more chances you have to get hurt. So the guys that get on the most bulls tend to end up with some sort of injury or they're more likely to. You know, when you see uh, a couple of years ago, Chase Outlaw got on more bulls than anyone else in a single year. And then uh, Bujo Campbell. And uh, a lot of times those guys that the following year, they're trying to catch up or they're getting over something or whatever. But it's, uh, you know, I, th I think throttling yourself or, or limiting yourself to what you can manage is a pretty good idea. I think the teams thing will, will help with that a lot because you'll be getting on 
more bulls that fit you more than uh more than random bulls you know well on dakota yeah from a rider perspective like what's it been like for you riding in kind of a more compact season and um yeah and even the move to fort worth for the finals i know that's kind of a big change going from vegas to fort worth and you're in the beginning of the year like talk a bit about that uh yeah no it's been it's been uh definitely more competitive i feel like all the way around in the, in the locker room you know everybody knows what's at stake everybody knows that there was a shorter season everybody knows that the the team draft you know obviously you want to be higher in the standing so you get a better you get picked at a better pick but uh you know honestly i feel like the the revolution of bull riding has been just progressing with I mean, the Bulls have just getting better. And not only that, the Riders have definitely been stepping it up as well. I mean, no disrespect to anything that went on in the past, but today's Bull Ridings are the real deal. I mean, them Bulls, you can get on a long round Bull that you can still be over 90 on. And then you can be get on a short round Bull that possibly could be the highest score ever. So, I mean, us as a – the opportunity we've been blessed with uh, as a Bull Rider – to get on these kind of uh, animal athletes is huge in our industry. And uh, it definitely makes us step up our game. So we should probably get into the, some of the draft talk too, eh, Wacey? What do you think? Yeah, that's a good, it's a good segue into the teams. So it's kind of, yeah. With that. I mean, and even just starting with getting your perspective, Dakota, and like what it means uh, from coming from a rider, like to have an opportunity to compete in PBR teams and kind of a new format, something that bull riding has never seen it, I guess, outside of the global cup, but to see it on a, a full scale level, it's kind of pretty neat. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I ain't, ain't going to lie. I was kind of stuck in that little bit of an old school mindset when I first heard about it, just because, you know, as bull riders, this is our individual sport. And, uh, you know, at a younger age, that's kind of why I went on the bull riding side instead of team roping, because I'm a healer when it comes to team roping. And when your header misses, you don't get the chance, right? So when you're a bull rider, it's all on you. But uh, as the time went on and, you know, things kind of got presented to me as, as uh, a lot better, um, I realized that the, the individual part is still going to be there. You still have to go on a concept of doing your job for your team, you know, and then just like us cheering on my buddies out there, except for what, how they do affects how I do as well. So, I mean, it's exciting. You know, the revolution is going to be huge. Uh, the, fan aspect is going to be a lot more included you know instead of just having your one favorite bull rider you could have your whole favorite team that has seven separate guys maybe you know seven of your favorite guys will be on your team and uh you know there's still going to be the the rodeos and the the challenger events and you know there's still going to be all the individual uh contests but uh i really think that the uh this team aspect is going to be the revolution of bull riding slid uh i like the i like the concept i think when they've done teams uh in the limited amount that they've done it in the past uh it's been really interesting the way the riders showed up to it i mean i i saw guys uh you know during 2020 when they did that series of uh team deals in las vegas there were guys there that were much improved just by being on a team, right? Like, uh, like they sort of rose up to it. Like, okay, uh, I'm going to say it's kind of like, uh, Dakota, you're taking your son to the rodeo. That changes your mindset. You're there to do a job. Now you're not there to be a conquering hero bull rider. Like you were when you were 21, you have to show up and okay, if my kid's over here, I need to, I need to earn some money so he can eat. 
And uh, that team, uh, the team format brings that into play as well. I, I'm, you know, if I fail, I'm not just failing myself. I'm failing these other guys too. So, so I like that. And I think you saw that in the, in the team series they had in 2020. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see it this time too. It, it's one thing we've heard about with the, uh, with the uh, global cups is that the, the riders and the teams rise to the occasion and, and there's a bit more support and there's the, the coach aspect, which we don't see anywhere else. Uh, and the guys kind of step up and I, I'm sure you have the stats on it too, Slade, but or, or you might not for those global cups. I, for, I forget if they're on, if you have all the stats on there or not, but, but there is an increase in riding percentage at those, at those uh, global cups. Is there not? Yeah. And there should be, and there will be during the teams format, especially the, the new teams that are coming up uh, because every, every match hope will be uh, cherry picked, so to speak. Yeah. So there yeah, should be a riding percentage increase. So going to the going to the draft, the first pick in the draft is going to the Austin Gamblers, and and Slade, you were telling me a while ago that everybody has Jose uh, on their draft board, but he's only going to the number one team. So, yeah, def- definitely Jose should be your number one draft pick, right? That seems obvious to everyone. So he's he is definitely uh, sort of a standout numbers wise and when you just look at him too there's there's no question that he's the best guy going right now have, have teams been reaching out to you for scouting reports or anything on certain guys or is, have you been kind of the go the i guess for us in hockey we have bob mckenzie in canada who's kind of our go-to analyst guy when it comes to it so are you kind of the, the bob mckenzie of the pbr when it comes to the stat side of things I don't know about bob mckenzie uh, <laughs> is he a good looking guy oh yeah he has, he has, yeah, he has like wow. his own little like liquor thing it's called bobby margarita like he's he's the guy man could be, yeah. He's uh, well, uh, the teams have a have access to Pro Bowl stats in a uh, sort of a team access deal where they can create their own draft boards and so forth. So uh, most of the teams are u- utilizing that already and have been for a month. So, so yeah, they have a pretty deep level of access there to whatever they need to sort through writers. And later on, it's going to be it's going to be kind of instrumental in helping them do the matchups, you know, when they get a pool of bulls and they need to stick it against their roster, see which bull to put against which guy. That's a kind of a tough question sometimes. Okay. I wanted to go back because when Slade and I talked the other day, there was some interesting info that's probably not really going to come into play until after the draft, but, but who are those uh, number, number two and three guys on your list Slade, when you, when we talked about this and the guys that over the last 18 months, there was a couple guys stats that, power rankings. Yeah, the power rankings. There was a couple guys oh, yeah. that we talked about that were kind of surprising that that aren't in the draft, but could come into play on the on the supplemental side afterwards, or could get a contract or something afterwards. Or there might be there's more to this, but there's a couple of interesting guys there that on your list. When when I first graded the writers, the number two and three uh, graded writers were Sage and Stetson, and uh, they uh, I don't know that they'll be in the supplemental draft. I looked when I was looking at the list today, it doesn't look like they declared for it or that they're on it. And both of them have uh, actually Sage has good reason not to be. I guess he's uh, more focused on winning the world championship in the PRCA is eighth one and his ninth one, which is what he's always wanted to do. And I think the just Stetson being there uh, doesn't allow him much uh, breathing room. You know, he does. Yeah. He kind of has to focus on that. So, so I don't know if they're going to be in the draft or not, or they may they may uh, be on a team at some point. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year or something. But they're definitely 
they definitely get a higher grade. They stay on a lot of their bulls. I was going through uh, the standings here too, or the, the declaration list and, and I'm only seeing a bit of this year, but, but I noticed uh, just going down the world standings, Stetson Lawrence and Silvano Alves are not, uh, looks like they have not declared in the draft. So is that, do we have any information on, on why or with those two? I think, I think Stetson is hurt. If I'm not mistaken, he hurt his neck. He might be, he might be completely done. Really? Jeez, I didn't know about this. Yeah. Do you know this, Dakota? Right. What's the story there? Uh, I don't think he's completely done. I hadn't heard nothing like that, but I know that he did get a uh, he did hurt, got hurt, and that's why he had t- taken the time off. He may it may be a while before he gets back too. I think he had broke his uh, one of his vertebrae or something. Oh, okay. Neck. Jeez. Okay. Neck injury. I completely missed that one. But what about Silvano? What's this? Do we know what the story is there? Uh, Silvano is declared for the draft. And, uh, he wasn't on this list I was just looking at. Maybe I mixed up. He's on the one that I got. I just got an Excel sheet today, but. Oh, okay. Okay. I can't tell if he's, uh, for the supplemental or not, but I would think he would be all in for it. Right. Well, so, so if that's the case, then essentially everybody, like, are there any guys that are, that are not going on the, on the, on the team side? Because my initial thoughts were that some might maybe, would take that time off and just focus on the world championship side. But there's so much money on the, on the line and the, and the guaranteed salaries essentially too, where, where it's everybody, everybody's bought into it. It's, it seems like. Yeah. The only ones that, the only ones that I asked a question about were Stetson because he was, uh, he's, he's his choice for this. Right. And he's not declared. And also uh, Brendan Eldred, I think is not declared either. Oh, okay. So that would mean, but would Brent, Brendan be planning to go on the uh, on the rodeo side of things? Is that what his uh, plan might be? I don't be, really or? know what he's up to. I've I've talked to Brendan a few times in the past uh, a few months, but mostly in his in his uh, stock contractor clothes, you know. Okay. So he may be huh. starting to haul bulls more now. So so now we're gonna so essentially what should happen is basically the top forty some guys, you know, top forty five, top fifty, because you got Cooper Davis and and Brandon and Chase Outlaw right now in the 46 and 47 and number 50 spots. So that's kind of who's going to get picked, picked off the bat. It looks like there shouldn't be too, too many off the board, really maybe a Boudreaux Campbell or something like that. But what are, what are we thinking on the draft? What, what's it going to look like? Ooh, that, that is hard to say. I think the finals uh, will change it. It's in, it's in the nature of people to, uh, to look at uh, whatever the last event was and, value those guys i don't know if that's a great idea or not but that's the way people do it <laughs> yeah but even uh, even jess lockwood mentioned that he uh he went he declared for the supplemental side of things because he doesn't think he can go to the whole the whole the entire season so he'll be in that six seven spot essentially is that how it works Slade? yeah i think he'll he'll have to he won't go in the first what four or five rounds yeah first five because there's five by eight for yeah. four 40 and then, and then they have a couple of extra rounds uh some of the later point i think uh jess lockwood would be the biggest wild card in this deal right is he gonna yeah. come back because he because he's as good as jose really really yeah but but he hasn't been you know so you don't know what what he should be he's still very young you know yeah and what are what are your thoughts right now on the draft dakota where where what are your expectations have some teams reached out to you is there Stuff on the table. Uh, what, like, what's it been like for you so far in this? Has anyone yeah, no, bought, actually, you a, bought you a car yet? That's what I want. 
Yeah, no, I've talked to a couple uh, owners and coaches and uh, nothing too particular in one category about anything. I mean, um, you know how bull riding is. It's not about what you did. It's about what you did for me lately. And uh, it's not about who, how good you used to be. It's about how good you are right now. And and I believe that after the finals, I mean, there might be a lot of different picks. And I hope I'm up in one of them top ones because uh, I'm feeling good and I have high expectations for these next two weekends. You can handpick a team. Where do you want to end up? Whatever one wants to pay me the most. <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask too is the the coaching aspect. Like Teddy touched on it er- earlier. That's something that's really new. Um, how do you think that's going to affect you as, as a rider? Again, like we've seen it with the global cup thing, like the, a properly coached team can really have a big effect on the outcome of an event. Oh no, it's going to be huge. I mean, I feel like uh, if a guy's wanting to progress, you know, when you have these tools that you can reach out to that are right there, you know, most of these coaches are past world champion bull riders and definitely have been there and done that. And, and uh, you know, us guys, we can take, I mean, if you're, if you can't learn from something, then maybe that you ought to do something else because I mean, in this industry, any little inch is going to take you that, that mile, you know? So, I mean, I, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, there, I've heard, uh, you know, obviously rumors about there's going to be all kinds of different training techniques that we've never even got to try yet. So I'm, I'm super excited about the, the coaching part about it. It's pretty cool to see, like as a fan of other sports, I know like Teddy and I talk quite a bit about hockey uh on the show and you see these guys now like they're hiring like individual skill coaches and skating coaches and all these different things to kind of get that edge that you're talking about so it'd be kind of cool to see it applied to bull riding and see how far like the riders can get and get to that next level and that's the other thing too is i feel like some some of the tools that we are going to get to be uh using i mean it's definitely going to up the ante for the rest of us maybe there's that little small loophole that a guy hadn't even heard about of trying this different skill and then next thing boom you're at the top i mean that's i really i really think that uh the talent that's going to be on these teams too is going to be huge you know and uh these coaches and these teams they know what they're doing when they're going to be uh scouting and picking that's for sure Blade, i wanted to ask about so you put yourselves in the shoes of like an owner slash coach and you're picking you have first pick or the second pick in the draft how much are you relying on the stat side of thing but also that those intangibles kind of what we talked about like the like the try and all that kind of stuff that you see kind of the eye test things you see watching an event how 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 do you walk that line uh i would look at i would look at their stats a lot because over the long term your your numbers are probably going to work out to what that guy's capable of doing, right? But you can't see their psychological makeup. So there may be guys that are perennial underachievers that would blossom in this deal. And the coaching, uh, like Dakota just mentioned, is a uh, big aspect of that. I think that over the years, uh, you know, compared to a sport like baseball, you have uh, uh, baseball is, is pretty objectively figured out. They have everything. They know everything about it, right? But bull riding, on the other hand, especially in my day, was mostly mythical. There was no, uh, there's no, uh, everybody had their own perspective on it. Yeah, they know what works in baseball because a lot of people do it and uh, they've tried everything. But in bull riding, you know, I'm trying to think of stupid stuff I heard when I was young. I can't remember how much of it. There was a lot of it, though. You know, I mean, there's a lot of dumb advice. And 
I think having the coaches, uh, a group of guys is, is going to make a, it's going to be interesting. Speaking of the underachievers, you mentioned Slade, are there a few names on the list that stand out to you for some of those guys with a bit of coaching and, and some Your dark horse picks. Yeah. Who, who are some of those guys that you could, you can talk about right now and you're not giving any uh, essential team information away if you do. Well, if you, uh, I would, if it were me picking, I would look for a young guy uh, in his early twenties, uh, maybe even younger who shown some signs of being able to ride the better bulls. Right. And, hmm. and you can make and take that kid and turn him into a Jess Lockwood. I mean, that's a possible thing. I mean, the, the major difference between every generation of bull riders is that some of them land in the right environment by chance and some of them don't, right? So if you took a, a kid like uh, and, and Cody Lambert and Lane Frost and Tuff Edema's day, in, the, in their day, if you just got into the van with them, you got better, you know, and, and that's the way it was. Normal, uh, the normal bull rider from out of the way someplace didn't get the chance to hang around with those guys a lot. And if you did, you, you either got better, uh, you know, or you went home. <laughs> and that was, I think that's an interesting way to look at the coaching part of it. Because huh. a lot of the coaches came from that same that same environment, you know, where it, it helps just to be around those guys. So with the with the younger guys and and for me not knowing everything about the draft so far, I'm curious now. I think and I've, I talked to Tanner Burnabout the other day actually, and he mentioned that this draft is essentially only for kind of year one. And you can make deals with your with your riders for you know years past this, but but this first draft is essentially only for year one because, well, but, but I'm, I'm curious though now. So somebody drafts a younger guy because, because I look at a guy like Joao Ricardo Vieta and, and he's, you know, 30, 37 at this point. Right. Or. Yeah. He's getting on up there. So do you pick him because you're only going to essentially get, you know, maybe three more years tops out of that guy like that, unless you pick Edna and he's still going, he's 40, 46 <laughs> now, but. You know, but, technically you can pick Myron Duart because he's still getting on bulls. Yeah, right. Fifty four. <laughs> but do you pick? Do you pick a guy like that? That's like you mentioned earlier on in, in your career, because essentially a guy could get, you could have a guy like that for ten years on your team, essentially. Whereas with Joao, you might only get a few seasons. But I, but I don't know, I don't know what the rules are that way and how it all looks. But it might only be for this. I, season. I have not given much thought to what's going to happen after this year, uh, as far as the draft and how the teams are going to go. But I'm assuming it's going to be similar to the way other pro sports teams do that they'll have a chance yeah. to reevaluate their team at the beginning of the year. Maybe a, maybe a draft at the beginning of every year for newer writers or writers who haven't declared before. There'd kind of have to but, be because, because so then that way everybody gets a shot at the, at the newer guys. Otherwise it's just signing contracts and whoever has the most money is going to have the best guys. Yeah, you would think so. And, and I would, I'm guessing that that's the purpose of a draft in the NFL, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking that probably uh, some of the guys that get drafted won't work out as well as uh, the teams hoped, and maybe they will place those guys with somebody else. So I'm assuming there'll be a reset period each year like that. 
Yeah. But I haven't haven't really heard much talk about it. Most of it has been frantic talk about preparation for this year's draft. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. Ask Chad Teddy. Chad. Oh yeah. Blankenship. Blankenship, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So the other uh, side of things though now too is there's the Challenger series in the second half of the year. And is that essentially part of the velocity tour now slash what was formerly touring pro division? And then that'll be how the guys rank. Oh yeah. So challenger. And before, that, it was, before that, it was the challenger tour. Challenger tour. Again. Yeah. Now it's challenger <laughs> series. So we're recycling yeah. some names, but, but yeah. going to, is that essentially the velocity tour for the second half, but everything's under the challenger series. And then the challenger series standings maybe is what you use to get your next year's draft guys. Like I'm trying to figure out how maybe. this is going to fly. Maybe. Maybe. But when I do the, when I do the rider grades uh, and the, for the teams and so forth, I don't really pay that much attention to the world standings at all. So okay. I'm just going off of how good they are at staying on. Yeah. And how good they are at staying on good bulls. Those are the two things. Regardless of the standings. Okay. Yeah. I don't care where it's been. If they got, if they got on a good bull at, uh, you know, Helotus, Texas or Grand Force, North Dakota, then that counts to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're in Alberta. <laughs> what backwater place that is! Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Dakota, I wanted to pose a question to you on the dark horse side of things. You get to compete against these guys week in, week out. Who are some of the guys aside from yourself who you would kind of rank as maybe a steal pick in the draft, or kind of a later round guy who could add some value to a team? And I can't really point out one person or another. I mean, besides stats, if you look in that locker room at a at a unleash the beast event any single guy can win first regardless of what their name is or where they come from they're there for a reason i mean those are the best bull riders in the world going against each other every single weekend you know in the pbr and you know obviously there's other guys that win more than others but and at any time and point any single in that locker room can win first so and I'm always going to have my own back first. So, <laughs> Nah. Uh, Slade, I want to hear – I need two predictions from you on the year. The coach of the year and the most valuable bull rider, the MVB. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that the most valuable bull rider is, uh, oddly enough, not going to be Jose – Vitor Lemmy. I think that the teams that pay attention to having the second best rider on their team or the maybe the third pick or uh, if they get a gem out of that, that's really going to be a huge – I think uh, it's going to be a second or third draft pick who really rises up and helps the team, you know. Uh, coach, I don't know. I, I know, for example, uh, at least one coach has employed a Navy SEAL, so – Man. Who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, they may, you guys may be hauling logs down a beach or something. <laughs> Maybe that'll turn out to be good. But uh, a, a lot of the coaches, I, I think Ross uh, Coleman, you know, uh, with the Missouri team, and uh, is uh, is an interesting choice. And he, he did a really good job uh, at the Global Cup this past year with his team. Like he, he really brought those guys together and kind of made made it happen. Yeah, and I and really what I think about it is just 
having a team of bull riders be around Ross Coleman all the time, I think is going to make them better because Ross is a pretty serious guy, you know. And then uh, Cody Lambert, too, uh, he's an interesting uh, pick as a coach because, uh, you know, what he's done with Jess and he's always got riders staying at his house pretty good bit of the time. And and uh, it's never he's never a bad influence on him. You know, he's always good. What uh, what about who do you think or well, I'm curious what what it might look like on the for the guys that don't get picked it it's going to be it's probably going to light a fire under the, some of those guys that don't get picked and, and they're going to go you know they might not go to as many pbr events they might go to rodeo instead or they might go you know they might come to canada we might have some of the guys come up that way it's going to be it's going to be interesting because there, there's going to be few quite a few guys that that don't make the draft essentially either right because you're going to have 256 yeah yeah there's going to be quite a few 200 out of the 250 of them so uh, I would think that they would have a chip on their shoulder after, you know, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's the same way in other sports, especially in other sports, you know, like the huge majority of kids who play football in college and high school never get picked in the draft, you know, mm-hmm. the saints have done pretty well with that over the years, actually picking up guys who didn't get picked in the draft and then winning a super bowl with them. <laughs> They've had a lot of guys who didn't get picked in the draft. And, and in fact, uh, Tom Brady, you know, was like, what, a six-round draft pick or something? Yeah. So so the guys who are doing the picking aren't always the brightest bulbs, you know. Huh. And, and, you see, and you see in hockey, too, like some, some of the best players that have come around in the past few years are, are undrafted. Like the draft's not the end-all, be-all of it. Like you can still Where find your way. Where did get drafted? He didn't get drafted. He was already like he was part of a team WHA. in the WHA, and then they got absorbed by the NHL. So he could yeah, he, yeah. he had a choice to either go to Vancouver or Edmonton. And he somehow ended up going to Edmonton. Um, and then there he was there, yeah. But there's like you've, a, exhausted, one of the, like, you've exhausted my entire hockey knowledge. <laughs> just talking about Wayne Gretzky. That's the only thing I know about hockey is that Wayne Gretzky plays it. <laughs> He's the man. Wayne's the man. Part of the country where I come from, if you try to play hockey down here, you just sink into the swamp. There's no ice, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of pro. There's a lot of pro teams in that that part of the U.S. Though, with the 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 East SPHL Coast. and the East Coast League, yeah, down and through like Louisiana and Florida and all that kind of stuff. So there is hockey down there. Yeah. Well, over the past <laughs> fifty years or so, I think we've done better at baseball and football. Baseball That's because fair, huh? in Florida and, and South Louisiana are pretty big in baseball because it's uh, warm here quite a bit of the year. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Dakota, I want to go back on the team side of things and and what you're most looking forward to, and then the other side of the other side of it is I've been thinking about it for a while. On on are you guys like if you get on a team, are the expectations to stay together and be together? A lot of the time or are you going to go home on like during the week or or have there has there been any talk about that or if there's like a home base set up where you guys all go to and train and work out during the week or you know i don't think a lot of guys want to leave home for that for like four months of the year but but i i'm i've been thinking about that and, and curious about it now yeah and also uh, what i've heard is just um you know during the season they're going to be obviously uh different training times you know certain times uh maybe prior to the first event but uh there's nothing really set in stone on what exactly is going to happen i guess it just depends on which team you end up on what are you most looking forward to about it uh if you if you are to get picked which which you know hopefully 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 you do right winning i mean i want to be on the winning team you know 
that's why we do this. I'm not just out here just to be on a team, you know, in my, my own mind, I'm going to be on a team and I'd like to be on the winning team. Heck yeah. Awesome. You got anything else? Wasty for Dakota. I don't want to hold them up. If, yeah. I think we, I think we should add, I'm going to ask him the, the, the age old question of yeah. Give her podcast. Do that one. All right, Dakota. This is a question we ask all of our guests. What is your definition of cowboy shit? I mean, you've kind of touched on it a few times throughout, throughout this, but what is your definition? Um, you know, my definition of that would be, I mean, I've been raised the cowboy every day of my life and, uh, you know, it's one that's going to go out there and help your neighbors before you help yourself. And, uh, always and willing to go the extra mile. Uh, one that's going to work hard and one that's not going to take no BS. Thanks Dakota. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to keep you. I want to talk with Slate some more, but I don't want to, I don't want to keep you hanging around if you, if you got things to do. So catch up another time. Thanks for joining us. And we'll, uh, we'll continue here and BS with Slate a bit too. All right. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Thanks, thanks Dakota. Dakota. We'll see you. We'll see yeah, you around see the summer. Eh? Awesome. Yes, sir. All right, Slade. So we talked about, we talked about uh, pro bull stats and it's a tool that I've used ever since I've been involved with bull riding, going right back to when, I don't know where I was. I was probably in the, in the U S when I first heard about it, maybe when I was going to the college rodeos and you could look up a bull, maybe they might be on there. Or I don't know if it was home or where, but, but uh, you made some, some changes in the last little while. I think we got to talk about that a little bit. Oh uh, yeah. I put every, I put everything behind the log in or most of it because of mainly because of the teams thing. I was kind of thrust thrust upon me a little bit so i needed i've been thinking about doing that anyway so i need a way to make sure the teams have access that i can keep uh restricted or monitored you know mm -hmm. uh, so that they're uh, they're not able to see what each other's doing so i have to have to go with individual logins for that and it just makes it easier to manage if i put it behind a little bit of a subscription so it's uh, 50 bucks a year now riders. And I meant to tell Dakota this while he was on here, but uh, for riders, if the, when riders sign up, I just bump them up to a member automatically. So, yeah. If you're a current bull rider, which is probably a lot of yeah. the people that, that use it are riders, but you know, you don't want, you're not trying to make quite your money few, off the yeah. bull riders. Yeah. Not so much. No, but uh, yeah. And, and quite a few of the guys who uh, are currently going are already on there and have set up. I even built a little feature where they can run a matchup on themselves. So that's pretty well, slick. Uh, so any bull that they look up, they can say, uh, what, what would it look like if I got on this bull, you know, and run the whole thing down for you. So what kind of results do they get when they look at that? Like if I was going to look up Ted Stoven versus Whoopa, would I see like 0 0.001 <laughs> seconds? What hand do like you run with? Zero chance left. Oh, you you would probably have a pretty good chance against Whoopa then. Really? Yeah, maybe so more last. last year than this year, but Whoopa has been pretty nice to left-handed guys. Hmm. So would I would I be would I be offended though if I if I saw it, or maybe less offended based on like? Could you actually maybe. do it right now? Could you run it? it depends could you run on my how name? sensitive you are. Yeah. Yeah, I actually can. That's uh, hilarious because both Wasey and I have stats on there. You could actually look it up. God. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So oh, shit. Uh, I got to find out what Wubai is first. Oh, damn. Uh, this God. is going to be funny. 43, I What, Wacy, should we make wagers on who has a better chance against Wubai? It's going to be you for sure, man, because you, you have a few of the better scores. <laughs> like my, my Pro Bowl, I'm left-handed, but my, Ted has the better scores on Pro Bowl stats than mine. Oh, dear. <laughs> I wonder if we could do it with... Uh, we could do it with a couple different bulls. That could be pretty entertaining. 
Gotcha. I give you about a 26.5% chance against whoop Ted. Really? That's oh, better than... Doesn't that... take into, it doesn't take into account how old you are or how long it's been since <laughs> you've been on the ball. <laughs> but but uh, so my, hey, that's better than my career riding percentage of 7.5%. Mine's going to be like uh, three. Could be, yeah. Three rides and 40 attempts. Wasey, you're at 19.7. Hey, that's not bad. I'll take no, it. No, that's not too bad. That's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. Hey, that's oh, funny. Shit. I love that. So all you have to do is, all you really have to do is get on him, what, five times? And you'll probably ride him once. Do a challenge. No champion. way. Penway C versus Whoopa. Okay, just for just <laughs> yeah, for uh, just for fun with Canadian podcast uh, supremacy. What about Tanner Byrne versus Whoopa? The right the right handed tall guy. Oh, he's gonna be. Uh, I don't think it's like, gonna be good. I think it's not gonna be as good as you guys. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> that's a thing. I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> the score to beat is twenty six percent right now. Right. Let's go. No, actually, Tanner's uh, Tanner's uh, thirty five point two. So he is better. Than you guys. Uh, God damn. Yeah. I mean, which kind of makes I, sense. Though. All things considered. All things considered. That was my expectation. Yeah. Yeah. All things considered. <laughs> what about uh, Dakota Butter versus Wupa? He probably oh, has Heather, a better chance. I think even higher than anyone. Yeah. You might be higher than yeah. Tanner too. Maybe a forty-five percent. This is I'm surprised, I'm surprised that I have a one-four chance of riding Wupa. This is. Not bad. I don't know why you guys are surprised about Wupa. He's uh, Tanner. He's uh, Dakota to would on. be fifty-one point. Oh, he's got the advantage on Wupa. Right. I like he's it. Left-handed. Plus, he's knocked everything out of the park for the past eighteen months or so. That's, That's true. true too. That's very mm-hmm. true. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, Whoopa is a tough like. He's just the the one that I think of first. I, I realize he's like is that his actual riding percentage is probably quite good. But what's the go. what's the what's the best Canadian bull on the tour right now? It's is the, isn't there? Do we have one in the top three? The what bull is it? Moonlight Party. Moonlight right, Party. Moonlight Party. Yeah. But Ted, Teddy and one. I versus Moonlight Party. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that zero. <laughs> that could be uh, that could be ugly, but it'll be funny to see. Moonlight what are you looking for? Do you is... need his numbers? No, no, I got it. 46 of 43, right? This is just to bring us back down to earth. Yeah. Because he ain't not. Well, Dakota Butter has a pretty good chance against him. We'll see what Ted would look like. Not good. (laughs) 18.4. Hey, that's not bad, dude. That's still pretty good. I like it. It's going to be about probably like 12 or 13. 17.2. Hey. You beat me on that one? You guys are right there. I think I, I. Let's go, boys. That's oh, funny. Yeah. I love it. This is fun. <laughs> oh dear. What uh what else do we got, Waste? I saw anything else too? I think it's been a great show, man. It's been really cool. It's it's cool to do like an actual draft review. It's such a fun we see a lot of it like with hockey and all that kind of stuff up here. So it's kind of cool to do it on something that we we know a lot about and have a couple guys who kind of also know a lot about it, you know. I think when it comes time to play, you could just put Jose on all the bulls, right? Couldn't you? Oh, I wonder. Yeah, you could just ride everything. I wonder what the load management would be like though. Yeah, you don't. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the first few events play out and what how teams manage everything, and I think and how like because each team will eventually develop their own system and how they navigate these events. But and I, and I mean, I imagine as we get closer to Vegas too, it'll become tighter and tighter. It's kind of like right now in the NHL playoffs, the the coaches will shorten their bench with their best players and kind of sit some of their worst players. So interesting to see if that happens in the bull riding side of things. True. One of the one of the interesting aspects of this, and one of the first things I thought about was, uh, what is what is the team that picks Jose gonna do? Are they gonna? Is it because it, it's uh, it's also a little bit of a curse, right? Because you're gonna be tempted to put Jose on the toughest bull every time, because that's what it's gonna look like is the best idea. But do you 
kind of manage him more? Do you uh, try to keep him healthy? Do you make sure he gets qualified right every time you cherry pick for him? Or do you, who do you put with him? Uh, I think that having Jose on your team opens, uh, raises a lot of questions, you know. I think you want you'd want to set him up for success, like because isn't a qualified ride the most important thing for winning these games rather than the higher scores? That's what I think. Yeah, that's what I would. That's the way I would do it too. Is like the way, the way I could get the most qualified rides for my team would be the the yeah. approach I would have. But if you look at it, if you look at it uh, strictly by the numbers, uh, you're always going to be presented with the option of whatever the toughest bull is in your pool. That's the bull that Jose is going to be. Yeah. Have the best, best suited for. Yeah. So uh, that I'm pretty sure that's the way it's going to play out too. So what do you mm-hmm. do in that case? Do you, you know, that, that's a tough, that, that's not an easy question to answer. It takes some good coaching, but it's all going to be on. Yeah. It, it's essentially all based on qualified rides. So scores are going to matter less in this format, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the scores will matter, but uh, just the way uh, bull riding works now, your qualified ride matters more than your score mm-hmm. most of the time. Well, we talked about this last time you had on the show. We had you on the show too, Slade. But if you really want to like dumb down the standings, you could just base it on he who rides the most bulls wins the world title. Essentially, almost it almost goes down. Less, it's less that way now than it was when Silvano won his last world championship because they can't change the points a little bit. So it matters that you ride the, the better bulls a lot of the times. So, but that's a, that's a metric you can look at and you can definitely choose the guys who ride the better bulls versus the guys who ride the most bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. The, uh, um, I figured out where we screwed up this draft too, by the way, but we can, we can mess up. We can just cut that part out. There's not enough of us. That's the problem. Yeah, we need to have like eight of us. We need no. We need five more guys. Yeah. Five more guys. <laughs> I don't know who else we should invite. But <laughs> hey, we tried. Uh, it was an honest effort. Yeah, we tried. We're we're not really draft experts, but but that was that's neat to see like kind of what the first couple of rounds are going to look like. And you know, I'm I'm with you, Slade. On on it's not going as much going to be who picks Jose is going to win for sure. It's those value picks in the third, fourth, and fifth round, and then whoever they sign up afterwards. That's what's really going to be. That's what's really going to decide who is going to be. You know, that's that's going to decide who's going to win because those those value guys. Like even looking at Dakota Lewis, he's got a forty two percent riding percentage in the standings this year, twenty three in the world. Like his riding percentage is better than um, a lot of the guys inside the top twenty right now. So yeah. You know, I, I think the, the, the diamond in the rough guys, like the guys, you get some like with the right coach and like kind of the right team. I think you can see, you'll see a lot of guys who have that like raw potential to be really, really good will will become the standouts. Mm-hmm. The thing that I remember from the series of team events they had in 2020 was, uh, I think Jose and uh, uh, Sage were on the same team, right? Yeah, and I believe they won. But how could you not with that combination? But the thing that stands out to me is uh, guys like Roscoe Jarbo really did well in that series. Like they 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 were better than I expected, and I think that's what's going to happen here too. You're going to have some some uh, journeyman uh, lower picks that you don't expect to be your savior jump up and be your savior. That's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna be the case here, I believe. How how early do you think uh, Cooper Davis goes in the draft? currently ranked 50 you know i think cooper i want to say that cooper is uh gonna be in the supplemental and so that means he's in the sixth and seventh round is that correct 
I think so. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So is he just planning to not go to as many events or is that kind of what his game plan is? Or do you know? I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know if he's, if he's uh, planning on, or if he's coming off an injury and that has something to do with it, or if he's trying to game it so that he's on a certain team, I, I don't really know how that's going to, what, what's going on with Cooper. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't been going for a while. He's been out hurt or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess Chase Outlaw is another bigger name that's down further down in that picks. But then again, you picked uh, Colton Fritzland pretty early too. You guys got him on the on in here pretty early on too. So yeah, yeah he's I'm, been I'm out with an injury me. too, so he's a little bit of a question mark to me. But obviously, uh, that guy's pretty good. You know, he's uh, yeah. T- and plus, being a right-handed guy, there's there's gonna be I think uh, more guys at the top are left-handed right now than than right. So it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to have both on your team, I would think. It's gonna be gonna be really interesting to see. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we appreciate your time on this slide. We better uh, let everybody get to work the rest of today, though. So thanks for doing this. All right, no problem. All right, well, and good to see you, Slade. Any, good chatting with you. For good anyone wondering, you. make sure to check out ProBullStats.com for any kind of stats you can think of in the bull riding world and video highlights. Slade and I've been working on that. Well, you told when did we even do that? That was a long time ago now, but we got that going and i think oh, one of the, 10 years ago yeah yeah one of the cooler things was when uh i remember talking to cody lambert about it and he said thank you it wasn't that was all he said just thank <laughs> thank you uh, to get a thank you from from lambert was kind of neat can you do you know what cody lambert's phone looks like like when he looks at his text messages how many bull videos are in there there are so many i bet it's a disaster isn't it yes so now does yes. some of those guys send the pro bull stats link to him? Have you ever seen that happen where like, Hey, here's my bull. Here's some videos attached to his own. He's, he's on it quite a bit on his own. So, okay. So yeah. I thought that was cool to get but, a thank you though. That made it, made it kind of worthwhile. Yeah. So if we just had all the videos that were on Cody Lambert's phone, we would have a lot more video just <laughs> organized. Yeah. They're, they're just unorganized. Now they're all sitting in his text messages. You know? How many, how many videos you got on there now? How many, how many outs and stats? What do you got? I thought I was at 8,000 and some odd huh. the other day when I looked at it, but I can't remember. Okay. We better get, we better get, uh, better get back to it. Thanks, Slade. All right. Good okay. to see you guys. You too. Take care, man. Catch you later. Tuning in to Cowboy. Oh, sorry. Good. Thanks for tuning in to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted Stoven. He's Wacy Anderson. We are coming to you from the Valley Ridge Golf Course patio in the sun. It's 20 some degrees Celsius in the. Man, uh, I had a sunburn on my face yesterday. You do. You see it? That was. It's it's pretty good. Pretty good. Hold on, I'm just gonna take a nice sip of this cold Bud Light. Had a day. Had a day. (sighs) Delicious. Okay, so. Round two of the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be New York against Carolina. Flo- the Battle of Florida, Tampa Bay, and the Florida Panthers. And we've got, in addition to the Battle of Alberta, we've got St. Louis and Colorado. Let's start out in the West. Who are you picking? Colorado in 
You just seven. Said, you just said that St. Louis is going to keep each other. But you're going to beat up on them. Oh, you're going to oh. beat up on them. It's going to be a hard series. Oh, it's not so going to be like a four-game oh. sweep against Nashville. Oh, it's going to okay. be like a big, heavy right. series. All right. They're going right. to come out of it feeling rough. There's not going to be as Colorado in six, you say? Colorado in seven. Seven. Okay. I'm going to say Colorado in six. Yeah. Trade it up a little bit. Okay. Out, uh, out east, starting the Battle of Florida. Uh, Florida in six. Because mm. Braden Point is out for the, the Lightning, and he's like one of their key pieces. Oh, really? Okay. But the only the only thing that could change that is Vasilevsky. That guy's a freak of nature. So I want to say the Panthers in seven games. The Panteros. See that one go the distance. You get two of the best rivalries in hockey in the East and the right? West. Right? How awesome cool is that? Hockey, man. It's going to be good shit. Okay, then New York. I was really hoping for the Penguins, but uh, New York hosed. pulled They're it out. Hosed, man. New York pulled it out. New York against Carolina. I thought that, uh, well, the first, I think I picked... I think I picked Boston and uh, and the Penguins. Yeah. So I really fucked that up. And I also picked Toronto, and they lost again. Yeah, Toronto's so in my cup final. Once again, sorry, Toronto, but... Uh, sucks to suck. <laughs> it does suck to suck. Seven straight first-round exits. I'll, I'll give it to the Toronto Maple Leafs, though. Like, I bet you in the next year or two they're going to pop off because they still so, have a really good team. So if you're Toronto ownership, do you keep the team or do you blow it up I and start everybody. over? Everyone. Everyone that you them, could, give right? Them, give them one chance to like go again because they have a really good yeah. team. They were on I'm the cusp you. there. You really just got you ran into the back to back back champs. champs. You have like yeah. the best goalie ever. That series was winnable for Toronto. Yeah, for sure. They definitely but, let, let, let a couple games slip away. Yeah, but I think that's just Tampa Bay like flexing their championship. That's fair. But they know how to win. They know how to win, man. Yeah, like true. Vasilevsky's undefeated. It's like Dallas honestly, after like loss. Dallas gave Calgary run for the money. Yeah. Like, they, they know. They Dallas plays a boring. Defensive type of game, really, and like Ottinger had it like put it out Unreal of his mind. Series. He had the best yeah. series like probably ever out of a goalie. So just one of those things where you just kind of circumstance. But yeah. anyways, yeah. So you're going, uh, you're going New York, New York. How many games? New York in five. Is Gold that because of Shesterkin? Goaltending matchup. Yeah, and Carolina's kind of got some tough, tough roads on that. that yeah, one. I think, and I think New York, they got to like. I think their stars will rise to the, the occasion, like the Panarins and Zibanejads yeah. and those guys. Kreider. Yeah. So, Ryder, the so and then round. Th- so let's just go uh, round three right now too. What are you thinking? Are, are we? Thinking You're gonna have pa- Panthers, Panthers. I got Panthers and uh, and the Rangers. I'm gonna yeah. say Rangers. I'm gonna say Rangers in seven. Why not? Let's Panthers. Go. Rangers, Panthers, if and Panthers in get seven. through. Tampa. It's gonna be Panthers and six on, on the Rangers. Okay, and then and then so it's Panthers and who is it? Is it Calgary? Is it Calgary? Calgary Edmonton? Colorado. Calgary, Colorado in the West. Who comes out of that? Calgary in seven because I'm a Calgary's fan. <laughs> That's, that's just hundred percent biased. Yeah, it's gonna so, be it's gonna be really tough, but I think Calgary's got a good chance to get through Colorado. It very well could be Colorado Florida final. I would agree with that. And that rematch, could be rematch from nineteen ninety six. Really interesting. Yeah, hmm. which be well, cool. it's gonna be interesting to watch. But in the meantime, so that's all that. Um, stay tuned to Hockey. follow along, people. Uh, Wacy and I, Wacy, you're going to PA. Come up here soon to Tanner Burns' house mm-hmm. for the. Clooney Cooper Memorial PBR mm. on the 28th and 29th. I'll be in Grand Prairie from the 24th to about the. Uh, I'll be coming home on the 30th. Uh, looking forward to getting back to some events. We just had. We just went to that game the other night. It was amazing. Uh, I remember jumping up and down, wiping my hat around like a crazy person. Had a lot of fun. Man, I almost cried. Ugh, Literally, was so I was had tears in my so eyes good. when Johnny scored that. So like, good. it was like perfect. Johnny so Goudreau good. got an A for the night because Katana yep. was out. Yep, he's been like. He's been one of those guys who's been under the under the gun when it comes to playoff performances. Yeah. He steps up, Shows scores up. that goal. So good. And then you see the, the video of him hugging Sean Monaghan at the cool. end. I know, that was like it's just cool. emotion, emotional city. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Love it. Playoff hockey, dude. So good. 
It's um, nice when your teams are still going because you can still stay invested. Yeah. Like, had had Calgary like, last and Edmonton lost, lost. Yeah, I would have been I'd, I'd, I'd like, okay, said, fuck it's over. over. Hockey's over. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. care. Um, so, PBR World Finals is on. A couple Canadian Bulls down there. Norris God. Jal uh, Ricardo Ada rode him for about 87 and three quarters or so. Uh, Happy Camper and I think uh, Kaiki Pacheco. And then sticking and moving is the other one. Sticking and moving. Uh, I think they got a pretty good score on that ball too. Mm-hmm. So Canadian Bulls showing up good at the World Finals. Teams draft is coming up. Uh, we had a good uh, bullshit on the draft. And, uh, you know, thanks for Slade. Thanks to Slade and Dakota for joining us. Really uh, solid yeah. show. Enjoyed that. And, uh, it's yeah. It's happening. Summertime. It's Rodeo season's on, here. Man. Let's go. It's Hit great. the road. It's great. And you're going to actually the week after this too. Uh, I guess we got to get another show recorded here one of these days, too. But uh, you'll be going to uh, to Kyle, Saskatchewan, and you're going Kindersley, to uh, Saskatchewan. Kindersley, and then we'll be in Rocky Mountain House, and our Canadian Cup Series at the PBR starts up in Red Deer. And we just had cameras. And how about that story? Coy Robbins puts on the event with uh, with Jeff Turnquist and then goes up and wins the sucker. How cool is that one, eh? It's rigged. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm he, just kidding. That's really He talked cool. about the bulls he wanted to draw and yeah. wanted to pick, and then he did it and rode them and then won. Yeah, man, That's pretty cool. cool to win. It's really, it's really cool. I think. What's your experience in hometown rodeos? Because mine was no dog good. shit. I got knocked out. No good. Did not ever. I do never any stayed good on. I Valley. never stayed on any of my hometown. I guess yeah. Never, never did any good hometown rodeos. One thing. One. One. And it's kind of like a topic that's been circulating right now, like these days with rodeo is contestants being part of like events and like committees and putting on their own events. Yeah, I think Coy really an, learned some shit. There's an interview with Stetson Wright talking about how the challenges he went through and how he realizes how much work committees put in and all that kind of stuff yeah. putting on these events. So, I think it's like kudos to to uh to Coy for putting in the work, getting an event put on. And it looked like a sweet event, like it was full house, like so many folks there and he and he got the yeah. job done. So, like sounded great. I and think we it. I think we need we need more of that. The guys kind of like folks buying in. That's how you keep the sport growing. So it's true. Kudos, to, kudos to Koi. And realize what kind of work it takes to uh, put on an event. So. Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of guys treat the committee folks a little bit better. Yeah, maybe by putting by actually being part of the work. So need some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Mark. Man. <laughs> um, okay, I don't know what else we got here. I say, man, Please. wrap it up. All right. Okay, well, Put thank you. Put a bow on it. Go Flames. Thank you for listening to uh, episode 117 of Cowboy Show with Ted and Wasey. If you're an Edmonton fan, I hate your guts. And if you're an Edmonton or Calgary fan, I appreciate you both. I hope the both Fuck teams. you, Ted. I hope both teams. You and John uh, Winwick. You and John Winwick need to hang out more. I hope both teams uh, have fun and do well, and I hope everyone is still dear friends at the end of the series. I'm going to put you in a fucking arm bar. I, man, talk, no. about, talk about like firing up a province like i think we're about to see some major shit of canes blow through alberta here in the next Man, couple twitter, weeks stay off twitter if you oof. can't handle getting chirped or you don't want to be part of this, the shit oof. show oof. do not go on twitter during this series it's gonna be so, a bad place so send us your stanley cup playoff predictions let us know what you're thinking and uh we're gonna see you out there on the road now so thanks yeah. for tuning in folks thanks for listening we appreciate it and uh, yeah, if you're at an event that we're at or somewhere, yeah, if you're going come somewhere, say hi to us. Like we, we love bullshitting with you guys. So. Yeah, appreciate it's it. It's awesome. Get your merch, cowboyshit.ca. Got Go some f- new stuff hitting the uh, shelves pretty quickly here. Pretty quickly, we're getting pretty close on it. New, new merch, new job caps on the way. In, in the next few months, new clothing is almost almost here. Just about to get it uh, delivered. So stay tuned, folks. Thank you. And Go Flames and go Oilers. See you later. Bye. <laughs>